been up to? Oh, man. Uh, I feel like I was just telling you, like, music and dad. <laughs> you know, that's what I say to everybody. It's so funny. I have Two best weird, things in yeah, your it's words. Two, it's the two best things. I have this weird thing, though, where, like, sometimes if people are like, what's going on? I Like, I, I feel so grateful to get to do what I do, to get to be a musician and to get to be a dad and, like, balance those, you know, and a husband and, like, balance both of those things. Um, and sometimes I downplay it. Like when people say, how you been? I go, oh, good. But I feel, I mean, there's something I should probably work on because I feel incredibly grateful, but I don't want to be like the douche. That's like, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Like live in the dream and like actually mean it. Like, you know, when people say like live in the dream and they, and they're not kidding or even when they're kidding, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you're like, okay. But I do. I mean, I honestly actually feel that way. Yeah. Um, and it's a crazy hustle. So like what I basically what I'm doing day in and day out is thinking about like making lunches for the kids, like breakfast, school, taekwondo, you know, and then in the midst of all that, trying to keep like a, a still budding music career happening. Yeah. Like, I was just thinking about this on the drive over. I'm 40. And my career, I don't feel like I've seen the top of it yet. It feels like it's still climbing. And that, like, depending on who you are, that could be, you could think, oh, man, geez, I don't know that I want to be working. I want to get to the pinnacle at 26 or whatever. But I love what I do so much that I want to, I, I hope it keeps climbing forever. Yeah. Like, I hope I never feel like, well, man, when I was 42, it peaked and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. These past 20 years have sucked. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> when you're like 60 or 70 and you're just like, I wish I could go back. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be aspects of that. But but really, uh, I, I really love what I do. And I'm always just trying to be grateful and in the moment and have big gratitude around the fact that I am afforded this crazy life of being a musician and also being an active parent. Yeah. Um, And I think that those things are hard to balance and the people do it well, that do it well. Kudos. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something, something to think about if anybody's listening to this, that is like, you know, in their twenties and feel like, man, I, nothing's working out for me or like not as fast as I want it to, to just keep doing the thing. If you love it and you have no choice, but to do it, keep doing it. And trust me, I mean, I, it wasn't until I was, I think 34 that I sort of like landed my first, you know, a a big deal gig to me, which was with Eric Hutchinson. Yeah. Um, And I've been in his band now for five, just, we just, went past the five year mark. So I think I was 35. I, yeah. If the math five plus 35, Derek crunching the numbers 40, you got it. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, I'll add in some nice sound effects. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like hopefully that's encouraging to anybody listening who is feeling like, man, I wish things were happening faster. I didn't feel like, you know, I had, a good solid foundational gig until I was 35. Yeah. And that's got to like, you're like what you're like 16, right? 
<laughs> yeah. I'm 16. I'm like, 23. 23, man. 35 has just got to feel straight old to you. Like, can you even imagine being 35 right now? I I, I don't think so. Well, so. So, right. Like, because my perception of what somebody in their 20s was, like, my perception of a 20-year-old or a 20-something-year-old when I was 18. Yeah. So not what it actually is now. Right. Now that I am a 20 something. So I just imagine that like when I'm like, okay, another five years when I'm 28, I feel like I just have no idea how to perceive that in a, in a legitimate way. Yeah. And good because you shouldn't (laughs) like it's the main point I'm making is like it, wherever you're at in a journey of career or family or life, whatever um, just remember that if if you love it, if you truly, truly love it and can't not do it. And I'm not saying like falling in love with the idea because the idea of being a musician and being on tour is awesome. Yeah. Like the idea of the romanticized yes, version of it. Yeah. Like when you're like sitting, you know, in school thinking like drawing a pedal board on the side of your notes, <laughs> or like, you know, like listing sweet band names, which is what yeah. I, you know, like infinity's edge. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so freaking sick. cool. Yeah. <laughs> like then it just feels like, you know, you have to achieve it so fast yeah. And anyway, I'm just here to tell you that um, I hope that you don't. Achieve, I hope that if you love the process, you don't achieve it fast, because if you do and you achieve some big, you know, thing <laughs> fast then your process changes. And but what if you love it? What if what if you love the process? Then just enjoy it more and than well, the achievement. Yes. Like what if you have the achievement and you're like, well, oh. that was it. Yes, man. Reminds me, Prince had this great quote where he said, like, I've been to the top of the mountain. There's nothing there. <laughs> and I love that so much. Um, and I've not been to the top of the mountain, but I can imagine that there's probably nothing there. <laughs> you know, it's just an old man with wisdom. And he's like, he's like, I got nothing. <laughs> it's like, like, how was the journey? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, that's the deal. Yeah. So, I mean. Oh boy, like I don't mean to dive so deep right away, but but I no, think, that's amazing. Yeah, I think the thing is like you just whatever it is, and you're saying like this is a music podcast, right? Yeah, generally music production I mean, for what, now. <laughs> like whatever it is that you love to do, um, make sure that you don't just love the idea. Make sure that you actually love the process. Like for me, getting to sit down with my bass for a half an hour and turn on my click and just play eighth notes is like a vacation. I love it. And it's really true. It's not just like the teacher in me being like, well, this is what you should do. Math is fun, kids. No, it like I genuinely it's like a place of Zen for me. It's a place where other things sort of melt away. If I get a half an hour with my instrument, yeah, even just playing familiar shapes or, or working on a new tune or something. It's like it's like a beautiful constant in your life. Yes. Ooh, that's I like that a lot. Yeah, man. Very true. <laughs> and and it's it's fantastic. And so if so, whatever that is for you, like so if you're in music, right. And you're hearing me say these words and you're, and there's this nagging thing in the back of your mind going, 
I don't know if I'm in the right thing. That's fine. Yeah. Get out <laughs> and play acoustic guitar by a campfire for chicks. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be your career. Yeah. It, I feel like t- for it to be your career, you have to, uh, it has to be the thing that you can't live without doing. Yeah. And, the, and if it's not music, go find, go find that thing. Yeah. If you don't have something, my, the mentality I'm trying to adopt and it's totally a Gary V thing is you might not know what that is because you haven't tried all but two things. Right. You're like, well, I tried this and it didn't work out. So I guess I'm just not creative. Yes. Well, it's like you didn't try. Yeah. Yeah. You know, trying one thing isn't trying. Absolutely. You have to go out there and, and find what like floors you and to be really like self-aware and humble about that process and if you love it be absolutely unashamed i remember being on an airplane i i got so i think i was about 26 and i got a teaching job at north central university teaching bass guitar and i thought i had won the lottery like i was so excited i wanted to like scream it to the world yeah that i was like a bass instructor yeah it was the coolest thing in the world to me and i remember being on an airplane going somewhere and i was sitting by uh i was sitting by this nice you know older lady and we struck up a conversation and she was like what do you do and i felt (laughs) like i was gonna hit I, i felt like what i was about to tell her was going to be the most amazing thing she'd ever heard like like I'm Batman or something. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm a bass teacher. And she was like, oh, <laughs> yes. And, I, and then it was this, it dawned on me like, oh, right. Like, this is not a profession that the world admires as much as I admire it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm not an orthodontist. Yeah. I'm not, you know, a career military officer you know no one is gonna like clap for me upon like boarding the plane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's fine but thank you I... for your service <laughs> yes. yes thank you for your low-end service yeah. like no one will ever say that stupid phrase to me uh but that's okay because i genuinely genuinely adore what i get to do And sometimes to my detriment, where like sometimes I love it so much that it gets in the way of my other responsibilities, being a husband, being a dad. And so, you know, being a 40 year old man in a committed relationship, you know, in a marriage and with children and trying to balance this music thing, it's not always easy. But I I really am just trying to stay connected to the fact that, boy, I get to do it. You know, sometimes I'm like playing something playing a gig or, you know, in a session or something. And I'm, I look at my instrument. This happened to me after I had my first kiddo, Everly, who's eight now. Um, after I had her, I remember playing something and I looked at my bass. I was like, this is so stupid <laughs> that like <laughs> stupid. And like, I can't believe I'm getting paid to play this like piece of wood yeah. With, with metal strings You're that like produce... breaking it down to its raw yeah. elements. You're like, I'm plucking a string and people are giving me money. Yes. Because I'm because I'm making somebody Saturday night, you know, entertaining or something. It all sometimes it seems very surreal to me. Like very odd. 
And I think about the boomers, you know, I think about like my dad's generation who, you know, the draft was around and I, and I just like, I even asked my dad the other day, like, dad, do you, like when you see people enjoying their like artistic life, does it piss you off? Like, like sometimes I just wonder about the people that have really made some serious sacrifices Yeah, that if like they see generations down the line and just are like, are you kidding me? These yeah. kids have no idea. And I was expecting he's like, he's, he's a great guy, but he also can have a bit of like a grumpy streak, you know? Yeah. So I was expecting him to be like, Oh hell yes. Yeah. But he was <laughs> like, damn oh. kids. Yeah. He was like, Oh no. You know? And then said something around like, that's what we were. That's what we were fighting for. Right. Is the wow. ability for people to follow their dreams. And oh boy, we're getting into some like sentimental. That's corny. beautiful. <laughs> no, 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 that's not corny. That's, that is beautiful. That yeah, is, that's I think, poetic. I think maybe at its best, at its least cynical, it might be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I don't want to go down that road of like, and that's why we fight. That's why we fight the enemy so that we have our freedom. And a tear falls from my eye and it, and it turns into a bald eagle and yeah, soars away. Like I just felt like we, I, I should probably stop that tangent. Of, <laughs> I'm, I'm far more cynical and like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but no, I, I, I get that. I yeah. get that. Cause sometimes I feel like, well, I, I can empathize with that because my, uh, my parents are old for kids my age. Right. My dad is 63. And so my parents are in the baby boomer generation and um, like the very, very tail end of the draft. Like my dad couldn't have been drafted, but if it had been around for another year, he could have been type of thing. Right. And so I, I have that same sort of like reverence where it's like, I don't like, I've never had to live. Like when I was in high school, I didn't have the thought, of I might go to Vietnam. <laughs> right. Like I might like in a year, I might have no choice but to get on a plane and go fight. <laughs> yeah. Like I've never had to think about that. Yeah, me neither. It's just such a different it's just such a different world. It's the same way I think about people on the other side of the planet right now. It's just like I have no concept of what their day to day is. Right. And vice versa. So it's just fascinating. Different, it totally is. Different and, lives. And the place that I feel like I have to go with all of it is like just incredible gratitude. Yes. For for living in 2019. Seize the time we're in. Yes. And don't complain about it. <laughs> I mean, I... You don't know, be entitled. <laughs> yes. And yeah. There's no... There, nothing. You are owed absolutely nothing. Yeah. You have to get out and really really work for it I sound like such an old guy like you gotta get out and work for it but <laughs> but hopefully like if you find something that you love it's not work and again that's yeah. another cliche like I've never worked a day in my life but uh if you do really enjoy the work then boy you've won yeah like that's that's it and in in like perspective wise people who are younger than like the the boomer generation we have so much that's just handed to us. And so it's like, look at that in not a somber way, but like, holy crap, I exist now. Yeah. And I have these opportunities. It's just, I don't know. I think about that a lot, actually, where I'm like, today, 
you know, 2019, I'm so glad that I'm the age I am. I'm so glad that I'm doing what I do and pursuing what I pursue as a musician and just as a person in 2019, because it, it would look completely different if it was 2009. For sure. And, you know, in 1999. It's, yeah, I'm just grateful. Man, yes, absolutely. And, like, the fact that the internet exists is insane. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, did you come up, do you always remember the internet? Like, since you were a little kid? Yes. I remember dial-up, but right. it was the internet. <laughs> Got it. Always. Yeah. Like there's the, a, you the, don't have a memory of pre-internet. Yeah, the first computer, like, I grew up with a Windows 95 computer, because yep. I was I was born in 96, yep. so we had a Windows 95 computer. Incredible. Uh, yeah. So that That's like my, like we grew up with video games on the computer and stuff like that. Yep, sure. So um, I feel like, I feel like very much a 90s kid. A lot of other 90s kids, quote unquote, are like, you're not a 90s kid. You were just born in the 90s. Sure, sure, right. But living out in the country maybe you can empathize with this but like growing up out in the country we were like five to ten years behind on stuff of course yes so it's like we had a windows 95 computer until it couldn't work right you know right and we had like the stuff just moved slower we had like appliances in the fridge from the 80s and all that sort of like the tube tv until it was like well tv's going digital so we have to buy a new tv right because like the technology was like forced it out (laughs) right you know it's like we literally we can't use this tv anymore we have to buy another one yeah um that's kind of how it was that that's kind of what it was like to grow up out in the country from from my experience and so i feel like I feel like I I have like an 80s sort of take on my childhood. Yeah. Even though I didn't grow up in the 80s. Sure. Just a lot of our stuff was from the 80s. (laughs) I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in rural Montana and it was very similar. Like there was just not a lot of, at the time, there just wasn't a lot of art happening or, or at least it seemed that way to me. I might be wrong. But it just seemed like, and it's that classic thing of like, oh, I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this small town. Yeah. This place sucks. And, you know, and now it's the like. the city. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the big city. But, I mean, now it's like beautiful to go back. And, I mean, it's incredible if you like mountains and if you like to be outside. Yeah. Turns out I don't really like to be outside. <laughs> <laughs> what's the What's the actual town you grew up in? I grew up in Kalispell, which is like the northwest corner about 45 minutes away from Glacier Park. So right in uh, the Rocky Mountains, right next to this giant freshwater lake called Flathead Lake. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, there's a there's ski resorts. There's yeah. Glacier, which is just an unbelievable national park. Um, and I didn't care. I didn't care about <laughs> any of it. Yeah. I thought it all was stupid. Yeah. And not... Um, not like outwardly, like I wasn't saying to my parents, like this place sucks. Right. But I was actively like I met I met a really dear friend early. He was 15 and I was 13. His name is David Young. He's actually in Minneapolis making music still. And we're still really close. Um, and he was like, I'm, I want to move to Minneapolis and be in a rock band with my big brother. He was 15 and I was 13 and he was like, I want you to come along. And I was like, done. So from the time I was 13, I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> that's amazing. Like, mom, I'm out of here. And I remember my mom being like, oh, that's nice, dear. And but but it's true. <laughs> that's like and it never it 
never changed. And, and I did that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like we're going to gonna escape this life yeah. and get a better one. And we did. And yeah. we did exactly. We went to Minneapolis. I ended up going to school in St. Paul, but, uh, Dave moved out a couple years before I did. And then another friend of ours named Zach moved out and we were in this band for years called down and above rock band, three piece rock band that sounded like uh, a cross between like King's X rush and like Judas priest or something. So it was a sort of like prog rock um, leaning on the heavy side with a lot of vocal harmonies. And we thought like we were going to take over the world. Yeah. And I, and I hope and you did, right? Yeah. And we did. Everybody <laughs> knows it's a household name. Yeah. It's, it's not a household name. I think, uh, but I, but I would wish that on anyone. <laughs> like you know, that thing of like, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I would wish that, um, knowing or like idea of what you want to do on everyone. Uh, because it gives you this focus and this clarity. And then when it didn't work out, I mean, we didn't take over the world, of course. No band, right? I mean, yeah. like, that's a one in a gazillion shot, yeah. right? So when it didn't work out, I had managed to, um, those guys are still my dear friends. And then I had this craft of playing the bass guitar that I was really fortunate enough to truly love. Like, I can play uh, really gratifying art music or maybe making something, you know, playing a baseline for someone's record. That's really cool. And that I'm really into, or I can also play like brown eyed girl in a wedding band. And as long, and here's, here's what needs to happen in both scenarios. As long as I feel like I'm being surrounded by people that care about both either thing. Yeah. I'm in. So like if I'm playing in a cover band, which I do some, if I'm doing that with people that hate it, I am, I am like thinking about, I should go back to school, <laughs> yeah. should get my master's. That's when all like, the doubts flood like, in. Oh, it's like, what am I doing with my life? But if I'm around people that love it um, and that are truly engaged in the, pro in the thing that they're doing at the moment, I don't care what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it's about that spirit of like being in. Um, and so I think I'm really fortunate to have that because then it means I'm happy in a lot of situations. Yeah. And then I get out of the situations that the people aren't into and mm -hmm. those situations never go anywhere anyway. <laughs> if people hate what they're doing. Yeah. Like that's not a successful business model or art model. No. So it's not a sustainable lifestyle. No. And so like chasing the bands or situations groups that truly like have great people in them and that love what they're doing. That's, that is it for me. I love that. Yeah. That's huge. Like I, I just love the aspect of being aware of your proximity to different mindsets and yeah, just being around people who enjoy what they're doing almost forces you to enjoy what you're doing. For sure. And approach it's like when somebody else is is coming to if somebody else comes to a gig and they're like showing a hundred and ten percent professionalism that right. just makes you go like, Oh, yeah, that's like that's what we're doing right now. Right. It brings you know? raises the bar. So yeah, anything you can do to surround yourself. Um, not to backtrack, but 
at the very beginning of the conversation when you said you break it down to two things, being a dad yes. and being a musician. Yes. Did you, because I've thought about this, um, because I'm married, but I don't have kids. Right. Um, have you, um, how do I word this? Have you ever or did you ever have thoughts of like, man, if if I have kids, that's inevitably when this whole music thing is going to have to take a back seat. It's like, like w- is that because I, f- of course, everyone thinks that. Yeah, I kind of right? feel like that's a normal like concern is like I can't have kids because if I have kids, then I can't do the music thing. Right. So I'm going to keep doing the music thing so that it pushes off having kids. Right. Because I then oh and because I need to be a musician. And then maybe you're 50 and like you know playing bar gigs and no kids and I don't know man that's, <laughs> me I no judgment like if you want that that's great I think um yeah everyone feels that but I yeah. don't think it's uh of course it's not limited to just musicians right I'm yeah. sure everybody feels that and just opportunities yes anybody that's sort of career minded or adventure minded they think well this thing is really going to change things and it does but let me uh, let me tell you this yeah. story like so right before uh, we had our first child, I was in this band. I was in Lori Line's band. Lori Line is a Minneapolis artist, is like a instrumental piano player. And um, the gig was, I was in, I'd been in the band for, geez, maybe about four years at that point. And there were aspects of the gig that were really great. And then there were aspects that were really hard. And I was on the fence about, wanting to stay in it. It also traveled almost exclusively around the holiday time. And so a few things I was like, I don't know that I want to continue to do this. And especially if I have a newborn baby, I don't want to be gone around Christmas. Yeah. Like what a, it, it's not fair to anybody. Mm-hmm. So I ended up quitting that band. And I remember when I did that, I was, I think I was like 32. Okay. And I thought to myself, well, it's over, (laughs) you know, like, like you were ready to come to terms with that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll play at church, right? I'll play in some cover bands. I'll play on my friends EPs if they'll have me Yeah. do the occasional session, teach a few lessons and just be like local (laughs) guy yeah. that just kind of does that stuff You're like and again i'm a dad like, now <laughs> right <laughs> well i'm a dad and, now right and there is not anything wrong with any of those things i just mentioned but i had been on the road and so getting off the road meant like there's a little bit of grief associated with that it felt like i was taking a step back mm. in my career but it also felt like i was doing the right thing and the craziest thing happened so i did that um was at home you know with Everly for the first couple years. And then around two years old, we were able to maybe get a little bit of nanny help. And in those two years, I was working my butt off playing locally. So I still had to make money. So I was taking all kinds of different gigs, anything that came at me, I was doing. And I remember Michael Bland, who's a drummer in town, used to play with Prince and plays in Soul Asylum. I was fortunate enough to cross paths with Michael. And he pulled me into a few things. And I will never forget, man, he pulled me into this project of his called Lady Boy that truly I wasn't all that into, but I was into Michael. 
So it goes back to that thing around like, I want to be around people that are taking it seriously yes. and are loving what they're doing. Yeah. And Michael is just this incredible drummer and incredible MD, perfect pitch, drill sergeant, <laughs> rehearsal vibes. And it was kind of inspiring to me. Um, some people are really intimidated by Michael, but I really find it energizing. And so there was a gig and I think it was paying like 50 bucks or, or no money. And I remember like I was sleep deprived. I had this, you know, little kiddo that I was taking care of during the day. Right. It was like stay at home dad, which yeah. can be great, but it can also just be a little bit depressing too. I think, you know, if you've gone from something and then you're staying at home and you see those commercials on TV that are like, do you need a job? Or like, do you need to go back to school? I'm like, maybe I do. But so anyway, right. You're kind of in that space. You're in that zone. And like I did, I ended up doing this gig with Michael where it was no money. And I just thought, why am I doing this? But I've got to do it because it's Michael. And so I worked really hard and got all my sounds together, did the gig and met Elliot Bloffus, who's playing keys. Elliot Bloffus turned out to be the music director for uh, Eric Hutchinson. And he really liked what I did in the rehearsal. And he's such a killer. He's such a great keyboard player and human. And he was just murdering parts on the other side of the room. And I'm looking at him (laughs) going, who is this guy? Yeah. And apparently he was having the same thoughts about me. And then we kind of got together after the rehearsal and he's like, man, who are you? I was like, who are you? And I feel that way about Minneapolis where sometimes, um, I feel like I know everybody and then there'll be people that come out of the woodwork. And then that happens. Yes. Yeah. And man, I will tell you, it led to the best musical situation and opportunity that I've ever had in my life. Um, cause he said, Hey, do you, you know, we have a guy right now, but some, he does a couple other gigs. Would you be down to sub sometime? And that's all you guys, that is always how it works. That is how it works in the touring world. Hey, our guy's busy. Our person is, I don't want to make it gender specific. Like our girl is busy. Our person is busy. Yeah. Can you help? And you say yes. And then what you do is you work so hard and you make, you make that person, you make the artist question if they want their normal musician back. Yeah. Well, okay. Not to, not to stop you or to get sidetracked, yeah. but you made this point. Um, or I remember you making this point in, in some context where you were saying like, whether, whether it pays well or even pays at all yep. is not the question you need to ask. The question you need to the question that you need to be asking is, is this something I'm excited about or is this cool? Right. And then you say, yes, yes. you know, it's like, very simple. So my deal <laughs> is, is it cool? And that sounds really shallow or like at first glance, that sounds really silly. It's but not as shallow as being like, how much does it pay? Yeah. True. You know? True. <laughs> That's more wholesome I mean, than that. And, and I get that too, though. Like sometimes people need money. I understand that. But I really think that if you can afford to say yes to cool, money follows and cool uh, I feel like I should come up with a better word for it. It's it's the excitement. It's like what you said. It's that feeling you get when someone says, "Hey, can you do this?" If you if you get that that like, like adrenaline what? butterfly like conjure in yes. your in your spirit like that, that is so important to say yes to. Because yeah. what that means then 
is that you're going to be creatively fulfilled. You think it's worthy of your time and energy and talents. And then what will happen is it will put you in front of more situations like that. Yeah. So what I decided to do when I quit the road the first time was to really invest in opportunities that I had in front of me, not be pining away about all the things I was missing in Nashville or L.A. or New York. Right. But like, well, I'm in Minneapolis now. I just stepped down from a a lucrative situation and now I need to bust my ass. And as a result of that, at 32, uh, no, it wasn't until, no, it wasn't until I was about 35 actually. So there was about three years there where that was kind of what I did. And then three years went by, I met Elliot. He pulled me into the Hutchinson band and, and it's been incredible. Um, and then other things have stemmed from that. So really the, the point that I'm trying to make here, if there is one is like, <laughs> just invest in the things around you. Yeah. And, and even if, even if you feel like you're taking a step back, uh, every situation you go into is the potential has the potential to change the course of your life or of your career. Yeah. Even if you think like, ugh, it's this lame gig that pays no money at, but, the, but if there's something that pulls you in, like for me, that gig was Michael Bland. I just, I could not say no to Michael. I couldn't do, I still can't. If he asked me to do something, I will try to move heaven and earth to do it because I yeah. just respect his dedication to the craft and his musicianship. There's just, he's a... I feel like that's such a good way to put it is like the the reverence for yeah. the art form. Right. I mean, it, he's amazing. One of, the, one of the best in that way of really respecting. I mean, that dude... That dude has perfect pitch too, and he would say to me like, "Oh, Ian, like when you man, when you're approaching that C from the G, Ian, you're getting there from the D, man. I hear you. You're going, you know, bing, but I need you to be getting there from the B, man. Be getting there from that half step below the C, man." And I was like, "What on? Like he hears? Who is this? It's just crazy." So I have to be around that. I want to be around people like that. Yeah. And that led to you know uh, a really fulfilling gig that I'm still a part of. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you could, if you could like sort of, because, because Rob Morgan just recently made a a post on Instagram and, and I loved what he said about looking back at his younger self and wanting to say, like, if he could say one thing, it's remember that music always boils down to, I know somebody who wants to do something. It always boils down to a friend wants to do something fill in the blank. Right. Um, and focusing on it, and basically taking that as a, a sign of like focus on the relationships Yeah. because the music, even though the career is music, the music is secondary. Um, what would you say to your younger self? Like before you were a dad, I don't know if you had those doubts of like, this is, how is this going to work or this isn't going to work or like how, like how am I, I'm losing this. I'm losing my career, you know? Right. When those doubts sort of creep in, in retrospect, what do you feel like, what do you feel like keeps you secure? Uh, an undying passion for playing my instrument in almost any situation. So 
I wasn't the type of man. My wife and I, I check this out before we had kids, actually before we got married, we went to counseling and it wasn't like, like a marriage counselor that was, that we had to go to from some church. It was like, we were having problems. We actually lived together for a long time before we were married. And I remember we had, um, big problems cohabitating. And so we thought like, man, we need to, we need to go see somebody. Yeah. And I remember one of the first sessions, uh, the counselor asked us to write down our, you know, our number one relationship goal and our number one uh, career goal or something like that. Mm. And my career goal, I, th- I think my relationship goal is just like figure shit out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, why am I terrible? Or yeah, like, like why, desperate. You know, like, yeah. Uh, but my career goal, I'll never forget it. It was, um, it was feed my family by playing the bass. Mm. And I thought, and I looked back like that's just what it came out of me. Like that was the truth. Not make a little bit of money playing only the music I want to play. No. And not be filthy rich and drive any car I want and live wherever I want. Yeah. You know, by playing music. It was feed my family by playing the bass. And that to me means diversification. So I think the thing that I would say to my younger self is I was so for so long, I was very narrow in my band. Like it was like band or bust. I just want to be in this band. But then I really discovered throughout that whole thing, though, there's this thing in the back of my head that was saying, but you also like side musicians. You love Tony Levin, who plays with Peter Gabriel, and you love different artists and you love different music. You know, I was playing rock and roll, like hard rock. And I I really loved R&B. And like there's an Erica Badu record that changed my life. And um, and hip hop. I loved hip hop and and even harder metal and all kinds of things and even like smooth jazz. And so I thought. Um, boy, I need to broaden this out. And I was sort of happy to do that. So the thing that I would say to my younger self or to anybody that's nervous, can this work, is just identify the thing that you love and see if that thing can work in a variety of ways. Like... We just walked into this place and you were like, hey, man, I'm interning at this studio. It's crazy, dude. Since <laughs> I've known you, I, I knew you first as a guitar player. And yeah. then you were a bass player, are a bass player. <laughs> and then you're like producer guy. Right. And then you're a podcast guy. And then you're right. You're trying all these things. Yeah. You're trying. To, I'm, I imagine you're trying to see what. It is for you that gives you the most life or you just love all these aspects. I mean, what is it for you? I think for me, it's it like what you're saying. So to kind of to kind of bridge the gap from what you're saying into answering that question, Rob was talking earlier about something that that's huge to him is living life with an open hand. Yeah. And that was huge. Like that just really resonated with me because it's like it comes down to all the stuff that you're talking about where you, you have this certain way that everything has to work out. Like you set out, you're like, I'm going to be in a band and it's going to be a success. And if it's not, then I'm a failure. Right. And that's how you define your success. And there's just one shot and it's one in a billion trillion right chances. And you're just setting yourself up for a letdown. But if you live life in a way that's here's what I'm going to try to do, but I'm going to be open to the process and open to what opportunities come my way. Absolutely. 
and still give it 110%, then you will find success guaranteed because opportunities are going to come your way and it's likely they're not going to be the ones that you planned on. Right. And oh man, what if they were even better than what you planned? And that's the kicker. You it's know? like, like I don't I don't know if I don't know if I could even like really understand that a year ago or even like months ago that concept. But I mean, just so to to sort of answer your question, I mean, me interning here and uh, and trying out the podcast thing, it really is like I I I love playing guitar and I love the aspects of it that are like virtuosic, you know, like studying these great players like Mark Letary, um, who are just like just these living legends to me. Right. Um, but I also am a huge fan of songwriters who aren't necessarily wicked instrumentalists, right. but they make me feel something and they played a role in why I played guitar in the first place. Yes. And that got me in proximity, you know, being interested in sessions got me here in the first place. Yes. And, um, just talking with you about like, adding value to people and then sort of connecting the dots of like, well, I see Steven a lot and he doesn't have an intern, you know? So, Hey, what would you say to me just being here and like boosting your social media? Right. And I can, I can run, get coffee. I can drive you to and fro, you know, like I'll do whatever. If you just let me hang out and watch you work. Yep. Um, but I made it very clear to Steven, like, I want to, because, I mean, he was very kind and gracious about it, because he was like, what do you want to get out of it? And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I was going to ask you what you wanted from me. Right. So it was actually kind of hard for me to tell him what I wanted out of it. Right. Because I was just like, I like being here. I admire you and what you work on. I just want to help. You yeah, know? man. And that, I mean, this, like... That that is true, and I know that that's true for you because I've known you long enough to see you operate. And that is that facet of your character will just that bodes well for you all for the rest of your life. Like if you can go into situations and like, hey, how can I help? That will you know you'll be able to do anything for anyone. Well, and it it goes back to the like, if it's cool, you know. If, if I get to be a part of something that I think is cool, that is payment, you know? Yes. Like, just the opportunity to be a part of something that I am excited about is, like, that could be where it stops, and I'm okay. Right. You know? It's like, I, I am very blessed to not, like, I still make a living from playing music, and I... Like, I don't have a lot to worry about in the right. grand scheme of things. Right. Um, so it's not like I, I have to go around making sure that every endeavor gets me money right. or gets me something except for like experiences and relationships and friendships and things like that. Like those are those are what I'm finding are the most satisfying as I'm like intentionally thinking about it. And I've started to intentionally think about it because of people like like you and like Rob and people who are a few years older than me who 
have noticed that in their window, right. like in their frame of reference, like the music is secondary. If you're a musician, the music is like, yeah, okay, right. but who are you? What are you about? And what are you like? Right. That's the main thing. Yep, for sure. So I will say this though. It's like, yes, you have to be a good hang. The music being secondary is only if you're playing the music that you've put in so much prep that the music can be secondary. Yes. And I, yeah, I don't mean to, I don't mean to like, uh, dismiss the, the profession or like the excellence of the music, but that's in a sense of like the, the, the music being excellent is a given, right? That is automatic. If somebody, the way I've started to say it is like, if somebody pays me to play their music that means that they trust that I'm going to do it right at a high level to their to their standard. Yeah. And so it's like that that's not even a conversation that needs to be had. If somebody's right. paying me money to play music, it's like, well, yes, it's going to be as yep. good as it possibly can be. Right. Um, and it's like what they're thinking about is not that because that's just a given. Right. You know, instead, what they're thinking about is the experience absolutely of getting to the gig unloading doing the sound check hanging in the green room right being a good human i've i've had this situation (laughs) too where i've been on gigs where like i've seen other musicians that have come in to sub and they've been like frantically going over notes like right before the band is about to hit the stage you know and the band leader lead singer whatever it is is like seeing it just wide-eyed you know and this person is going like okay and what happens in the bridge? And and sometimes that stuff's inevitable, right? If you get a call a day before or something. But boy, that gives people so much anxiety. And that thing of like having the music be a given, it's not always a given. People yeah. don't always operate that way. Yeah. Um, I try to operate that way. I don't always uh, have everything memorized because I do so many things that I just don't feel like I have the time or I can't prioritize the time to memorize every song for every artist. You know, if I'm playing 40 tunes with somebody one night, maybe we'll never see them again. I can't memorize that music. Right. But I will chart it all out. Right. And, and be like as prepared as absolutely possible. But yes, that thing of like the relationship, the way you make someone feel is more important than the licks you play or more, more truly like more important than the music itself. Yeah. Not the execution. You got to do your job, but yeah. But the fact of like asking someone about their children or, or like trying to find some common interest outside of music will do so much more for your career yeah. than worrying about the fill you're about the hot fill or bringing the band donuts like i I remember you talking about that for for like you had some friends sort of you called in this favor and where i think it was grady was playing with you and maybe somebody else was playing with you and it wasn't it wasn't something that was part of the deal quote unquote sure but you were like i'm gonna take care of you because i'm glad that you're here and of all the people i could have asked you're the person I asked oh, and I, yeah. I want you to be here. So you kind of, you have to really show people that they, they're valued. Oh man, you really do. Yeah. That's for every year. I, I get my friend Dave Young and Grady Kenevin to play at my daughter's school showcase where they do like 
oh man, we, we just play music and play some silly song that like we, you know, redo the lyrics for a song <laughs> about the thing that they're learning. And, and it's so fun, man. And yeah, my friends do that for free for me but yeah you got to bring donuts and yeah. coffee and show them and the it, love <laughs> and it's like they're they're your friends and they probably have a good time regardless they would do it for free right if the donuts weren't a part of <laughs> the donuts deal or not. <laughs> you know yeah. it's like but doing that is just like it's just that gesture of like hey i i'm so thankful that you're here yes you know it's it's like we're friends. This isn't necessary. Dude, it's like, yeah, but we're friends, so I'm going to. Yes. And you know what this makes me think of? If we can take a a like a detour, but on the same topic, it makes me think about I I hesitate to even say this because it sounds corny, but my audience. And what I mean by that <laughs> yeah. is like the people that follow me on Instagram. Yes. Like you and I have been following each other for a long time. We've talked a lot about Instagram, but I in 2019 decided to take Instagram really seriously yeah, and have really, really been focused on building up my audience one by one without any sort of, without advertising or without, you know, like I'll follow you if you follow me, any of that. But, but really to think about my audience in terms of relationship. So, and to ask the question that you were talking about, like, how can I, what can I do for you? How can I bring you value? What do you need from me with zero expectation in return in order to hopefully at the end of, I don't know, you know, five years, 10 years that if I do want to ask something of them, like, Hey, I've made a base coffee mug or hey, <laughs> yeah. I made a record or whatever it is yeah. that they will feel like they want to buy it. And even if they don't care about the music or the coffee mug or the bass strap or whatever it is, yeah. they'll want to buy it. That's just... a good idea, by the way. Yeah. You should... yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got ideas, man. Oh, just, <laughs> just making, just making like tens of dollars on those bass coffee mugs. We are mugs, talking dude. tens. <laughs> I mean, I want to provide enough value to an audience where at the end, you know, a year goes by and they say, whatever you do, we're in. Yeah. And so I think it's really important. Like social media gets such a bad rap, man. People taking these giant hiatus, hiatuses. Can you say hi? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, even, even from like, even from people that are in their twenties and teens are like, I I'm taking a break from social media right. because it's just like, it's, it's too negative right. and all this sort of stuff. And I'll, I'll tell you a way <laughs> now grain of salt. Cause it's coming from a 40 year old man's mouth, but the way to remedy that is to build an online presence that is not narcissistic. And so what I mean by that is look at your audience, not as haters, and as people that you want to prove something to, but people that you want to give something to. So I used to, for so long, look at members of base forums or even, you know, subscribers to like certain, you know, base services as kind of like enemies or as competition or as people that, oh, if they played a certain base, like I thought it was stupid or like, and it was all out of insecurity. 
It's yeah. all just out of me feeling like I didn't, maybe I didn't have what it took to be a professional or something. So it's so much easier to be like, well, that person, they're never going to go anywhere because they're playing a, a <laughs> so fan to tear other people down. Yeah, than for to, sure. Than it's, to build yourself it's up. classic. <laughs> exactly. And so I really decided um, that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And that instead of not, you know, being too cool to answer the question yeah. that someone poses to me. I don't reply to comments. No, that's <laughs> such a mistake, you know, <laughs> that instead to reply to every single comment to um, dig in when anybody DMs me, I try to get right back to them as soon as I can. I mean, and think about this as not a way to showcase all the things you have but how can I help? So, so a really good example of that, like if you're wondering like, how could I do that for my social media? Like stop taking selfies and instead think about like, what do you love to see? You typically love to see something that is entertaining or informative. And if it's both, man, it is fantastic. So I've really been focused on like when someone asked me to play on something um, and I get to do that, whether it's in the studio or live or whatever, then I try over the course of the next, you know, a few months or whatever, even to coordinate things around release times for bands or artists to, to do like a play along video of me playing their song and then talking specifically about an aspect of that artist or that song or whatever, make it really nerdy for the bass audience about gear or something that really I would want to know about if I were looking at someone else's career or someone else's social. Like I, like Sean Hurley for me is a great example. Sean Hurley has played bass with John Mayer. I want to know what that guy's doing every day. And he doesn't post nearly enough. He does not make enough content. No. And it kills me because he's so interesting to me and his playing is so beautiful. And so basically what I'm doing is I'm doing the thing that I want to see from my from base him. heroes. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if people look at it and go like, oh, man, it's so, you know, self-aggrandizing or it's so narcissistic or, you know, I would just respectfully disagree. I mean, yeah, it's me playing the bass on the Internet. And, you know, I mean, that's just dodgy territory. But the really the focus is to say to prop up the artist that I'm playing for to even say thank you for having me on this. Yeah. And then to say, like, also, here's something I was thinking about when I was going through this process. Yeah. And here's a way that if you want to play this type of music or whatever it is, or think about, you know, getting this type of sound, I'll tell you absolutely everything about it. Well, and if they were just interested in the artist, they wouldn't follow you. It's true. You know? And so it's kind of you, you should be able to take those liberties and those assumptions of you're following me. And so if you're interested in my part that I played in this, right. Of what I'm interested in, let me show you the part that I got to play yep. in this. Um, I think that's, that's huge. And I think it's really easy. I, at least for me, it's easy to get like in your head and self-conscious about like, is this like really narcissistic of me to be like, here's what I did on the, the record. But it's like, people are following you. Yeah. They want to see you. Not only is it not, I mean, what's narcissistic is to put up a beautiful picture of yourself 
or or take pictures of things that you've acquired uh, and be like, check this out. Check out my awesome life. Like, unless there is a point that you're going to say, and and here is here's the reason that I have this or here is why I want to own this thing or yeah. or if it's like a body thing of like, hey, you know, I've worked really hard to look a certain way. I get that stuff. But like it, you always I feel like with any social media post, if you ask yourself, who am I doing this for? Am I doing it only for me or am I doing this for an audience of people that I want to improve their lives. Like I truly, I mean, and this, we could debate this, but I truly believe that the posts that I make are in the spirit of informing and entertaining a group of people around a really niche, nerdy subject that I care a lot about. Yeah. And I've decided to, instead of hiding that, instead of going, well, maybe it's too self-centered Maybe no one will care. I've just decided to say, no, screw that. I'm going to do it and, yeah. if, and let the chips fall where they may. I'm, I'm tired. I'm done apologizing for being interested in the tools that I enjoy playing, you know, the gear stuff. I'm done apologizing for that. I For so long, I was like, ah, oh, well... Not really that much of a gear guy, but secretly I was such a gear guy. You want to say the right things. You want to be like, ah, but gear doesn't matter. But you're like, but I freaking love gear. I love it. And so really, instead of just like taking, so I'll take pictures of bases and put them on. But instead of being like, check out my sweet collection. It's like, hey, if you've ever wondered about a Rickenbacker, here's something that I can tell you. What's the deal with this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, instead of just showing off your cool stable or whatever, yeah. it's well into more... somebody into somebody who's like, I have two bases, you right. know, and they're like, what is the deal with a Rickenbacker? Exactly. I've, I've seen a couple of them. What are they for? Right. That is that is genuine. That's a genuine value. It really is. At least it, it is the intent on my behalf is genuine whether it comes across that way to everybody or not it, it you know i don't think that's your burden to bear yeah, it isn't and i and i don't care like i don't <laughs> care if someone in fact i would encourage people to be like oh this is ridiculous like i want more hate in my comments i got all these nice <laughs> got all these nice comments man i feel like i need to be doing something more risque <laughs> more polarizing <laughs> yeah. i get too too many people like man this is great i'm like oh come on hit me damn it hurt me <laughs> hurt me man uh, take a shot yeah i i don't know i all right, check this out. My daughter has braces, and she just... How are we doing on time? Uh, are we okay? In the next five-ish minutes, <laughs> we should try wrapping up. Check. This is perfect, then. Cool. My daughter has braces. She has to wear headgear. The first night of her wearing headgear was an absolute disaster. She's screaming. We're trying to put it in. She's having a fit. I mean, headgear as in like headgear is like the, the it's essentially like this thing with a strap around the back of your neck and there's this wire that you wear that goes into these brackets that are around your molars that you wear at night and slowly over time it just puts pressure and pulls your molars back it's ugly it hurts it's i had it when i was a kid yeah um you sl- like you can't sounds close like a saw mouth. trap it's horrible <laughs> You can't close your mouth, so you drool all over your face and pillow at night. And it's, right, it can be super humiliating. 
So we're struggling to put it in. We finally get it in, but there's tears and there's yelling and it's insane. And I went on YouTube. Please, Lord, let there be a video of like a cool younger kid that tells you the secret to putting on your freaking headgear. (laughs) And there wasn't. Oh, no. (laughs) And so we figure it out over the next few days. And Everly has been talking about wanting to start a social media thing. She's eight. And I have been trying to instill in her that social is not bad. Anybody that thinks it's bad has such a, it's such an old person way to think about it. It, it is antiquated. It's like the old world yes. in a way of like people on the internet are dangerous. Yes, because it ain't going away and it's not going to get less complicated. And so what we have to do as parents or even just as people trying to hip another group of people that don't get it is to teach people how to use this platform for good and not for vanity and not for narcissism. So what we did is we made a video where Everly talks about how we discovered the secret to putting on headgear and it really works and it involves like it's adorable it's so adorable (laughs) and then you know it's so funny because we made it we haven't posted it yet yeah but i was i'm telling her my philosophy and then i had to talk to her about comments i was like you if if we do this you will get made fun of you will get made fun of and it's funny because i've asked a few of my friends like am i setting my daughter up for like 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 trauma yeah trauma and some people like yeah yeah you are and so we haven't like i'm still on the fence but i really feel like i think kids get kids find life finds a way for kids to make fun of other (laughs) kids but i mean she's like she's so sweet and innocent and saying like if you do this with your fingers and tilt your head back in this kind of light your parents can see where to put the you know and she figured it out and it's so cool And so my whole deal with social is figure out a way that you can bring someone else help, value, entertainment, right? And don't demonize it. And if you feel like you need a break from it, fine, take a break from it. But in that break, ask yourself, what are you doing this for? Are you doing it for you? You comparing yourself to everybody else? If that's true, flip it. Next post needs to be about what can I do for you? You can even ask a question like, what can I, what do you want to see from me? Yeah. I've done that a bunch on Instagram and people, I, I'm always surprised where people want to know about the very smallest, nichiest details about what I do that I really take for granted. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to teach my audience and my children, literally my children, is that uh, as long as you're coming at social with that mindset, you can't. You can't lose. Yeah. I, I mean, that's such an encouragement. I mean, like what you're saying, you can flip it. If if flip you've it. treated social media that way, I, I mean, I think treating social media that way is why people get burnt out on it. But you can, the next post, you can just be like, what are you guys wondering? How yes. are you guys doing? What are you guys up to? Right. Like you and, can change. Specifically, what can I do to help? Yeah. Right? Like, what can I do to help you out in this journey? Is there anything I can do to help you? Yeah. And wherever you're at, you, 
I mean, if you keep asking that question, you, you're going to get some answers and it's going to take you down some avenues, <laughs> right? That's and that's the beauty. That is the beauty. It truly is the beauty of social media. Like it's not about showing people what you've got. It's about helping people find their journey and helping yeah. people through their journey. Um, I'm really a big believer in that. I love it, man. <laughs> Thanks so much for, for oh, coming out and doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for this, having me. This has been an actual, like a genuine treat. This is like <laughs> the perfect way for me to end a day at the studio. <laughs> not just a, not just a fake treat. What you say to all the other guests. <laughs> yeah. I told, uh, yeah. Don't tell anybody else, but this is the best episode. Uh, man. Great to have you. Thanks. Sweet.